The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Okay, so it's P Nate in Garage Mahal, joined as always by my partner in crime. I know last week we talked about what's Pootie's new nickname. I've been asked to call you something that I'm very much in favor of this one. You ready for it? I'm, I'm ready. All right. Hit me. You usually do the intro, so I'm going to tell you to do the intro. Take it away, number one. <laughs> number one, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so that's our, our friend Paul Tasha came up with that nickname, and I'm like, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I know like Star Wars is more the theme of our thing, but I'm a big, I was a big Riker fan. Man, that's an honor. Riker was the best. I I don't like that this makes me Jean-Luc Picard, but I like it. So it's P8 and number one. I'm a big fan because I'm number one now. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm really into that. Uh, You know where that comes from? Star Trek. No, no, no. So like why he calls me that though. No, I don't. Paul, our good friend, great guy. Kind of like, what has he been at our church about a year now? Got a pretty good friendship with him. I really respect him. I was talking to him about my wife has never been on a plane. And so he was like, well, I'm a pilot. Like, let's go up in his airplane. And I was like, you would do that? And he was like, absolutely. And so we we eventually found a date that worked. Um, Surprised Heather took her up on like just a a flight, had dinner and like, and flew around. And so like, now I call him captain because now, now he's got like an authority of like, right. you know, I've been in yeah. his play captain, and I know Captain Paul. And so he's like, no problems. Well, if I'm captain, you're number one. And I'm nice. like, this is great. Like this worked out better than I could have imagined. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was great. Nice. Well, I also think in the state of emergency where Jean-Luc Picard gets kidnapped by the Borg, when we're talking at the church and, and I'll say something like, you know, well, we got to figure out how to do this without me in case I get hit by a bus. That's always my thing. It's like, what happens if Nate gets hit by a bus tomorrow? In the case that Picard gets taken out, like Riker takes the Enterprise. So like now it's like Nate gets hit by a bus tomorrow. You take crossroads. So th- th- that's my path to ascendancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So don't push me in front like, of any buses. Gets, but <laughs> so just for the record, if Nate gets injured or any way, yeah. I had nothing go, to do with it. Yeah, that. go like, find Chris. I do not want that. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm number one now. Yes. I'm pretty okay with that. All right. There you go. We are the Rebels, and uh, we're part of the Fight and Laugh Feast Network. And we were just actually talking to Dave, our sound guy, and he was just saying that our monthly downloads or our weekly downloads in terms of the apps and everything about half of the people who are listening to us are now listening to us through the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, which is great. So like half of the monthly or the weekly listens are coming on the app now, which is great. That means most of you have downloaded the app. That's great. So let me just point out, if... If half the weekly downloads are through the fight lab, that would also mean half the monthly downloads are. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Shut up, number it. one. <laughs> um, you're just oh, going to get demoted. Now, it'll be number two when you say something. I don't like. No, just, uh, oh, you got to work your way up and down. It's like the Seinfeld episode where uh, Jerry gets ranked based on where he is on the speed dial. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, so, I'm number seven. So hold on. So if I'm number one, yeah. does that make Dave the temp? 
like nice there you go yeah, yeah. Tap, yeah. Nice. so if that means i'm picard you're Riker. i think he's jordy laforge obviously <laughs> I, was, I, I was gonna say data <laughs> data that's even better just chief science that. officer he already just knows everything anyway. <laughs> yeah that's right and he does all the work and we're not completely sure he's human he, he might he might be a robot um, I'm convinced nothing can kill him. That's what that's I true. like. Yeah. Like you that's can take true. part of him out. You can put new parts in. He's bionic. It's fine. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, Nobody has any idea what we're talking about. No, right? but that's okay. Cause, uh, that's good enough intro. <laughs> I, I don't even know where we're going with any of this stuff, but, uh, basically what I want to start talking about today, we'll see, this might even take up the whole episode. You posted on social media and boy, is that post got exploded a little bit. Yeah. I don't even understand what happened with that post. I post like a lot of like nonsense on it. No, I'm just, I post a lot of things on, on Facebook and like that are controversial. Generally speaking, I get like one comment, like I'm not very popular. There's not very many <laughs> people follow me. I'm fairly confident. 90% of the people who follow me on social media just haven't unfriended me, but they've silenced me. Mm, yeah, but like, I, I just I posted almost the exact same post that I've seen like many other people like, and it was Roe was overturned. Praise the Lord. It was like, I dropped a nuclear bomb off on the on world. Facebook. Yeah. Like, it's insane. And it's been very interesting to watch. Like, obviously we're in Canada, so Roe doesn't actually affect us in terms of like a direct way. Like, obviously I, in Canada, just so our American listeners know, like oftentimes what happens in Canada is we're about 10 years in terms of like legalities behind you guys. So your Supreme Court makes a decision. Generally, it trickles its way up slowly. Exactly. Like Eventually, it, it, we will adopt your laws and your or stuff. We're just slower to do it. Yep. It is a great Not thing always, for us but, as well. But generally, but generally. Yeah. Now, abortion is sort of the interesting part because Canada is in very elite company when it comes to our abortion laws. Nefarious company. Yeah. In that, we don't have any. So like literally in Canada, you can abort a child. What's legal in Canada is called partial birth abortion, where they'll, they'll literally collapse the skull of the, of the child in utero. They'll actually go in a child in a mother who's in labor and you could still choose to collapse the skull. It's brutal in Canada in terms of what's legal. So there's no protection, not third trimester, not partial birth abortion. There's no laws. It's very interesting, even the Conservative Party, like one of the things that I do every election is I'll get together with as many of the candidates as will get together with me. And one of the questions that I ask all of them is, would you work with a constituent in your riding to bring abortion legislation forward? And many of even the conservative politicians just say, no, they won't. Abortion seems to be the thing that nobody, so you have, I mean, you have a lot of Christians who would go back and say, oh, Stephen Harper was such a good, godly prime minister. It's like, Dude had power for a long time and did nothing about abortion. Exactly. So let's let's not uh, let's not praise him too quickly. So I just say all that to say, like Canada is sort of it's us, North Korea, China, right? Like we got pretty elite company when it comes to who we're like on a world stage in terms of abortion. When North Korea and China are are in you know the same category as you when it comes to human rights violations, you know you got a problem. Now all that to say. We're very encouraged by the Roe v. Wade overturning, not just because it's going to save a ton of babies in, in America, like great for America. We got a lot of friends down there. We would be celebrating this if this was in Scotland or in the UK or anywhere, right? Like exactly. when babies get saved, babies get saved and, and we rejoice. But certainly with how our culture and country and even legal system in, in many ways are tied to our Southern neighbors, this actually bodes well for Canada or we're hoping it will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Let me, let me ask you a question, so I'm, I'm going to redirect a little bit. Go for it. You've been on the thread. I've been on the thread. What's your least favorite argument for being pro-choice? Because there's a number of just, I think, horrendous arguments. Yeah, what's your tons. What's your least favorite? The one that you're just like, are you serious right now? Okay, so there's two that bother me the most. One is just sheer ignorance, and that's that sort of like, we're going to assign uh, lesser personhood to the fetus, right? It's just a clump of cells. It's just a zygote. It's just a whatever, right? And so that's my least favorite argument because I think it's just scientifically obtuse. It's it's ignorant. It, it doesn't understand modern science at all. Mm. But beyond that, it's logically incredibly flawed. The second one, only really because of the way in which it tries to silence somebody like me speaking on this issue is that whole like, you're not a woman, you don't get to say, right? You don't have a say. Who are we as men to say what women should do with their own bodies kind of thing, right? Give a woman an ax and let her start going going to town on your legs and and then tell me that because we're not a woman, you don't, you, like it's just such a dumb argument, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's all of them. And, and actually that's sort of where I wanted to go with this because I think that one of the things that came out in, in my response to your thread that I end up posting on my own is the bad argumentation. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. So there's a couple reasons we want to talk about this is, is that number one, so that post, which was a, a pretty like innocent post, praise God, Roe v. Wade is overturned. Like that's literally what your post said. And I think last I saw there was like 150 comments or something like that. Uh, I just checked 205. 205. There you 205. go. And so there's a ton which of comments. for me is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, right? It's an, and, uh, and I don't know everybody who's on your thread. Some of them are, are obviously Christians. Many of them are not Christians. And the, the sort of the vitriol <laughs> that's being lobbied at you, at the church, at uh, Christianity in general is pretty intense. What's interesting is just how much cultural upheaval this has caused. It's pretty insane. What it reminded me of is actually in Acts 19, Paul is in Ephesus. There's a couple stories early on. You have the the story of the sons of Sceva, which is interesting. Starting in verse 21, it says, Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia, and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must go, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way, which is essentially Christianity, right? This new religion that's that's spreading, this new way of life. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together and the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship." When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Aristarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. 
Some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. So some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hands, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. So I'll stop there, but the point here is that Paul's ministry affected the idol-making trade in Ephesus. The moment it started to affect the idols of the God-haters, this giant riot outbreaks where it talks about like the whole city being in up in an uproar no little disturbance he says it says that the great crowd was enraged they start crying out with things they go into the theater and start dragging people out onto the streets and it's just like what's interesting is that you're seeing in the same way that we saw during the blm riots and stuff like that we're seeing all kinds of riots throughout the states because of this overturning and even those who aren't involved in actual riots like this you just throw up a post on social media and once again, you see the whole, not a town, but the whole community getting into an uproar, enraged. And I think that one of the things that too many Christians think is that to be a good witness to the world around us, we have to create peace. We ought to be peaceful and not riotous. We shouldn't be contentious, right? We shouldn't be, in fact, I would say that you and I have gotten into quite a bit of trouble over the last couple of uh, years being labeled as divisive and mean and contentious and all that kind of stuff because of some of the things maybe we put on social media because of some yeah, of the things we said about COVID. Meanie, I'm a giant meanie. Yeah. But interestingly, like what did Paul's ministry create? Contention, right? Why? Because his ministry is pushing forward the kingdom of God. And what happens when the kingdom of God gets pushed forward? The kingdom of darkness gets invaded. What happens when the kingdom of darkness begins to lose ground? All of those who want darkness rather than light, who love darkness rather than light, get enraged. Not only can we not avoid that, anybody who would read Acts 9 would say, or Acts 19 would say, that happened because Paul was winning. This is what winning looks like. This is what Christian victory looks like. It looks like the world in an uproar. And yet so many Christians have made this a bad thing. If your ministry causes contention, it's not a valid ministry. It's not a good ministry. It's not like Christ. Man, Christ created an uproar everywhere he went. Yeah. So Jesus literally said, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. Right? That's right. Like, obviously I came to divide. <laughs> exactly. Like We've been talking at our, like our church, you're preaching through Mark right now. Yeah. The sermon series title, which is, brilliant by the way is the lion and the lamb so like so we were just talking on the way over here like to the christian jesus does bring peace like so he, he right. does bring peace he, yep. like we see the lamb that was slain we're covered in his blood we will have eternal peace, peace with him with God. but the reverse of that that flip side of that coin is every other person who sees christ who isn't saved by his blood sees the lion and what That's does right. a lion do a lion tears everything apart swipes it down tears apart like c.s lewis quote we do all the time is the lion tame? No, no, he's not. He's not safe not at all. Not a safe lion. But he's safe to the Christians. All I think we're seeing here is this the lawlessness of man in their hearts coming to the surface, right? You said it, right? Paul's message, the kingdom of God comes in, and what does the kingdom of God do? It calls people to repentance. It tells them they have to change, and they have to repent. And God-haters don't want to do that. That's right. And so that's all this is. like. Yeah. Yeah, the venom and the vitriol with which people, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to us, but I am always surprised when I see the passion with which people want the right to kill their child. It's crazy. So one of the things I wanted to say, because I think this has been a fairly good strategy in terms of eliciting (laughs) contention, (laughs) 
And this happened on your thread. So I'm sitting there following your thread and I'm not really jumping in mostly because you handled yourself well. And a bunch of our people in the church jumped oh, in. Like can, it, made, it made me love some of the people in our church even more I, than I already did. I, like, I won't shout out, but like, I won't name names just because I don't know if they'd be comfortable with me saying who was, who was chiming in. But like, oftentimes I feel like I have a lot of backup when I'm on social media, like with yourself, Jesse, like a lot of like West Mewborn, a lot of our like guys who are often to comment, like yep. Justin Lockhart, whoever. I guess I did just name a whole bunch yeah. of names, but they're all fine with it. Yeah. But what was awesome about this thread is that I said one thing and before I could even start in the argument, it was like our church family was just like, no, no. And like, it was like, they just all jumped in. And it wasn't in defense of me, but it was in like, well, that's a stupid, like, and it was just like, <laughs> I don't even need to, be, I, it was almost like I could just drop the mic and be like, I'll go fight somewhere else. Cause you guys got this. And it's been it was. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I was also one, just like proud. Angels. Yeah. <laughs> and I was also just proud of, um, I would say, I think that it was respectful conversation and don't get me wrong. I don't think we have to respect all worldviews. I think not all worldviews are created equally. I don't think Elijah was respecting the worldview of the prophets of Baal when he was making fun of them. But I think that there's a way of arguing that argues against silly arguments, but respects the person who holds them. I would say that just the way in which that arguing was happening was, was top drawer classy. Now, one of the things that I, when I finally did jump in was I was just kind of, I read a bunch of the comments. And so I just kind of my own little piece on the bottom of your thing. I didn't respond to anybody else. It just responded to the main article or the main uh, post. And I, I basically just said like, it's been interesting reading these posts because all of the arguments in favor of abortion sound an awful lot like the arguments that Southerners used to defend slavery back in the day. I mean, obviously, this created a, a riot in Ephesus, so to speak. But it is quite interesting, right, when you think about it. So there's the victims aren't human argument, right? So just like you yeah. get that, well, it's just a clump of cells, just a zygote. It's not, it's, it's a, you know, um, fetuses are parasitic. They're, they're not sentient. They don't have consciousness, whatever. They'll say all that stuff. Well, I mean, legally speaking, right, black people were three-fifths of a human. They were not considered fully human. And quite frankly, I could also just say that's because of evolutionary thinking. So you have this argument where if you can dehumanize the victims, and this is nothing new, right? This is what Hitler did in order to justify what he did against Jews. This is what Stalin did in order to do what he, uh, what he needed to do, not only against ethnic minorities, but also against Christians. This is what tyrants do. They dehumanize their victim. Almost any genocide you look at in yeah. history, that's, that's, how it starts. that's literally exactly how it starts. Yeah. They're less human than I am. That's exactly right. And you even saw that, quite frankly, through this whole COVID thing, as our politicians were recognizing their own ineptitude, they were pointing the finger at the unvaccinated as, well, they're the reason, right? Again, and the, some of the ways in which Justin Trudeau talked about the unvaccinated, he was beginning to that whole thing, right? Even how he talked about the truckers during the convoy, right? If you can make the population hate them enough that they can justify violence against them, you've done your job. And so that's exactly what's happened with abortion stuff is they've dehumanized. Even the term fetus is ridiculous. It's just a Latin word for baby, but they don't want to use the term baby, right? Instead of saying, you know, they'll say, I'm going to go and abort the fetus. It's like, I'm going to go and dismember the baby. That's what you mean by that, right? We're just using nicer language so it doesn't sound so horrible. That's partly why on the Facebook, I was ve I'm was i very careful to make sure that every single time I'm, I'm saying it, I, I point out like dismember baby, kill baby, slaughter. Keep yeah. that rhetoric right in front of them so that you Absolutely. can't like play their lie, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's the first one is that those justifying slavery justified it on the basis that black 
men and women were not fully human. And so now those who are defending abortion are doing the exact same thing. You just remind me of another argument I hate. So yep. the argument of like, well, it's not, re- it's not a real baby. Okay. A real baby. And so my response to that every single time is okay. So eight weeks is generally when people are like, oh, I think it's now a baby. You know what I mean? It's like magic happens all of a sudden then. Um, and I'm like, okay, would you ban abortion after that time? And like the answer inevitably is, well, no. And it's like, well, then who cares like what you think when it starts right. being a baby, you still would murder it. It's not about the fact that you want to murder only a clump of cells. It's that you actually just don't want the baby. That's right. Like, yeah. So the second argument that I think is uh, reminiscent of the arguments that kept slavery is, is the whole my body, my choice. Right. And I hate that argument too. There's been a lot of good, like just little reminders going around, like just a reminder that this is your body, but what's growing inside of you is someone else's body, right? But interestingly, again, when slavery was being abolished, it was sort of my property, my choice. Not only do I own these slaves, but I also own the property on which I own this plantation. You can't tell me what to do on my property, right? And so the whole, like, it's my body, my choice. I get, I have full autonomy over my body is interesting. And again, like we kind of tongue in cheek would say that often during forced vaccine mandates and stuff like that. But, you know, nobody actually buys into this unless it suits them. One of the other arguments is oftentimes you'll hear like, well, the system, the system that's in place, there's not enough support for moms who are, you know, don't want a pregnancy. There's not enough support for unwanted children. You know, there's just not the support systems in place. And I would just say, I would agree with that, but that's not a good reason to start killing kids. But interestingly, one of the arguments that slavers used in order to keep slavery going for so long was the system is dependent upon slave labor. If you take away the slave labor, the products that we're making won't get made. And therefore, the economy, which is built on slave labor, will fall, will crumble. Not a good argument to say, well, the system will break. That's not a good reason to keep killing people, just like it wasn't a good reason to keep people enslaved. Yeah, that's actually my least favorite argument. Like in terms of like, oh, be pro-choice because the system isn't ready to handle all the babies adoption. There isn't there isn't enough people in Canada specifically. I'm not going to speak for the states, but Trudeau spends ten million dollars. What is it, a quarter or whatever, for abortions to happen in other countries? Yeah. So not even just like our, anything. Yeah. Just take that money. If that's your big complaint, yeah. take that money and start putting it into orphanages. How about make it easy to adopt? How about yeah, how about make seriously. it easy to foster? It's a nightmare to try to do any of those things in our, in our country because yeah. we're paying people eighty thousand dollars a year to like make red tape to make this harder for people. That's right. We're just like, well, we'll just, why don't we just make that easier? And why don't we use the money we've already committed to killing babies to put these systems in place? The cognitive distance, I can't say the word, yeah. that people have when they're thinking about th- that through, like, oh, well, the, there'll be babies everywhere and there's just going to be babies falling out of trees. And there's ba- like, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, that's not what anybody's saying. What we're saying is like, put the money into those systems or like, I think I even posted our Facebook, our church link on the site be like, if you have a baby and you're, and you are worried about it, just call us. The totally. church will take care of this. Yeah. Like, we'll, yeah. We um, got people who will take your babies. Like, we'll, we'll find a way. I hate that rhetoric. We have the money. Yeah. We can easily do this. We live in one of the most prosperous countries in the most prosperous time in history. We can find a way to make this work. And then the same logic, this makes me very angry. The exact same logic doesn't get applied to like sweatshops in China. The same crowd who's like, oh, there's going to be babies ever are the same people who are like, we need to shut down the the working trade over over in China, which, yeah. you know, and I'm not actually against. Like, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. they yeah. should get fair wages and, and whatnot. But it's, it's funny where it's just like, 
we don't apply the same logic of like human rights to there. Like, and it's just like, well, you want this, the same systems, but like, you're not willing to do the thing that like, I just, ah, sorry, I get my, I even lost my chair and I thought I'm just so angry. <laughs> and the other thing I think is that most people say that ignorant to the fact that it is mostly Christian organization and Christians who are part of the solution in this by far, statistically speaking, Christians are the ones who adopt. Christians are the ones who foster. Christians are the ones who start ministries like Safe Families. And then on top of that, what's interesting is that the people who, historically speaking, have been most inclined to adopt are actually the people that CAS in Canada is actually working hardest to get them to not adopt, right? Like we have various friends who have been rejected as foster parents and adoptive parents because they answer no when asked the question, would you affirm your child's gender should they decide to transition? And so you have a system that's working against allowing the people who historically have been most inclined to adopt and foster. It's so backward. Isn't it funny though that like all of a sudden everybody knows what a woman is again? Yeah, like that is funny. Yeah, two weeks ago, like nobody knew, and <laughs> yeah. we were like, we were asking the question, like, I, yeah. I just don't know what a female yeah. is, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, okay, we remember what that is, and it's her body, her choice, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. One of the other arguments is obviously is that like you're not a woman, therefore you don't get to say. And interesting, like you can go back and read this, like some of the literature, some of the arguments, a lot of the political arguments were. Those who are in the North have a completely different industry. You don't understand what it's like in the South trying to make a living. You don't know, you know, our economy is built on this. We need more labor than we currently have. You know, you don't understand. You don't get to speak to us from your ivory towers in the North, right? And that really was like a major cultural divide between the North and the South. None of us would take that argumentation and nor should anybody take the argument, well, you're not a woman, therefore you don't get a choice. The other thing that's just totally lost on everybody is the idea that like you had a whole lot of choices that led up to the moment where you need an abortion, right? Same thing, right? So those who uh, utilize slave labor, those who, who own plantations and all that kind of stuff in the South, there were a whole lot of decisions before you got to the point where now it might seem unthinkable to release your slave now. But that's because there are a whole lot of choices that went into where you are now. What we're saying is that it's it's not unthinkable to take away a woman's choice for an abortion because there are a zillion choices before that. Like at the end of the day, if the Christian ethic of sexuality dominated the West, we wouldn't need abortion because sex would be happening within the confines of marriage and Husbands and wives look at children as a blessing. So there would be no need for abortion. Yeah. Then there's the terrible objection to that. But like, oh, all these abortions are due to rape, sexual abuse. Those things are real. <laughs> and like, we have to understand that. But like, what people don't understand is that's such a minor amount of abortions. I can't remember the exact statistics, so don't get me. But it's like something like two out of like every thousand rapes can even even have the chance to impregnate or something like it's something yeah. crazy like that. So where basically it's, like, it's 1% of all abortions are a result of incest or rape. 1% of all abortions. So usually what I do in an argument is yes. I say, okay, so let's just, that. let's just say that we'll allow it on those. And, and I, I just, for, so all our listeners know, I actually don't think that abortion should be a legal option ever. I agree. But for the sake of argumentation, just to get to the heart of the matter, I'll usually say, okay, fair enough. So let's allow abortions in those particular cases and no other time. 
the answer will be no, of course not, because that's not what they want. What they really want is license to kill their babies. Yeah, because as soon as you say that, it goes back to my body, my choice. Right. And it's just like, so your argument like never changes, right? So, right. but he, like, like that one just blows my mind because like we get accused of being misogynistic because we're not supporting the those. And we're just like, well, we are, but it's still not the baby's fault. You know what I mean? Like it's right. still, um, there's still an innocent child like that we're not asking you to keep. And in, in fact, I'm not even asking you to, pay for it. We'll pay for it. We'll do all this. Like you will have to carry it. The other thing is like, which I think that people fail. And this is where like our, being a theonomist really helps is me and you would both be like, and that man should be put to death. So like yes. the current laws I agree are not sufficient for the crime that they've yeah. committed. I actually want rape his life. should be a capital offense. Exactly. Yeah. I want his life or and castration. So like, exactly. And yeah. you think you, you think for a second of all of a sudden the death penalty was on the table for every rape and every sexual abuse and every time you had like a child molestation or something. If that was on the table, I think that a lot of that gets curbed. There yeah. are still sinners and they will still for do sure. it. But like, for sure. but let's put the the laws in place to do these things and take care of it in God's way because yeah. that's what would happen. Do it's another argument. I'm going to throw this one at you that it just drives me up the wall. Well, now they'll just do it in back alleys. When we were getting in trouble for having church during lockdowns, I said, if you ban safe, legal church, then people will find seedy back alley churches. (laughs) 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 And and people didn't like that so much. But You're more clever than we give you credit for. Thank you. That's a bad uh, argument as well. Because again, the heart of this issue is, is it the taking of a life? Right. And if it's the taking of life, like, yes, of course, there are going to be women and, and we're, we're seeing them. They're passionate about killing their children and therefore they will go and seek other means. But that's not a good reason to not like the, the same argument that liberals use in terms of, well, people are using rusty old used needles. So let's just make uh, let's just make it legal and give uh, all the heroin addicts like free needles and then uh, things will be better. Really, things will be better. Have you been downtown London lately? That argument that people will do it anyway is not a good argument because use that with anything else, well, right? Exactly. Right? Okay, in like, that, in that, yeah. With that rhetoric, we should legalize we banning, all drugs. Why are we banning like, guns? If people want to kill somebody, they're going to use something else, yeah. right? They're going to use a knife. They're going to use, a, you know, like you, you can literally, you use that with anything, right? And I do think that that whole incest rape thing, again, you got to get it back to the root issue. Is it the ending of a human life? Because usually what I do, and it it depends, right? Like there are some people who they've experienced rape or, you know, date rape or like, you know, sexual abuse of some kind. And so they're asking that in a very personal way, right? And so I don't think if if it's not a theoretical question, then don't give a theoretical answer, right? Have, Have enough compassion and discernment to know what sort of a question you're dealing with. There are those who just throw it out theoretically, like, what about this? Well, part of the answer to that is, uh, or what I often will say is, okay, what if there was a, a mother who did end up getting raped, but she chose to keep her baby because she really wanted a child and she, she carried it and she gave birth to the child and, you know, cared for it as an infant, as a baby. But as it started to grow, when it was like two, three years old, the eyes now start to remind her of her, her perpetrator, right? The look, you know, his mannerisms, all that kind of stuff. It it, it was a boy. So it's starting to look like and remind her of her attacker. Does that mom now have the option to kill that child because it reminds her of that, you know, and they would say, no, of course not. 
Okay, well, why? And they'll say, well, there are other options to her at that point. Adoption. Hey, that's still a great option. That's a great option whether you kill it in the womb or outside the womb. Like at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not the, it's the product of rape. And it's also not about whether or not the, the mother wants it. It has to do with whether or not it's an ending of a human life. And I think scientifically speaking, it's so easy to prove now with the advancement to 3D and 4D ultrasounds and all that kind of stuff. It's a child. It's a baby. It's a human life. The other thing that I would say just mm. kind of in closing uh, with this in terms of just helping people with their argumentation and their conversation, and then we'll close this part because I know we, we kind of wanted to do something with this conversation. This is not the we even <clears throat> but, but one of the things that I would also say is that people will say, you Christians are just trying to force your morality on us or on women, right? And I would just say, just remember what you know doug wilson taught us this and so just remember it it's not whether but which he got it from rush Dooney. so whoever you learned it from it's not whether but which remind yourself of that phrase it's not whether but which it's not whether a morality is going to be forced on another person it's which morality is going to be forced and on whom right so in the case of abortion she's saying you're forcing your morality on the mother yes but in your morality you're forcing your belief your morality on the baby and on the doctor because it's illegal in Canada for a doctor to refuse a woman an abortion or not refer her to an abortionist if she wants it. So you are forcing your morality on the doctor and on the baby. And so I say it's not whether a morality is going to be forced, it's which morality is going to be forced and on whom. No matter what, somebody's morality is getting forced on another, but in my scenario, nobody dies. That's a big deal. So I think that helps in, in conversation and argumentation. Okay, this is how we want to end the episode. And that is what we want to say in all this is like, okay, so Chris, you put out the social media post. You got lambasted from friends and family alike, dragged through the coals, but lots of your church family came to your rescue. What we would say to everybody who has not chimed in on this is get into the fight right? This is monumentous. This is huge. And don't get me wrong. This isn't the end game. We don't think that Roe v. Wade was legal in the first place because the Supreme Court doesn't make legislation. But th this is not an end game, but this is a victory. And, and God made this victory happen during Pride Month. That's amazing, right? During Pride Month, during their high religious holiday, abortion was overturned. That's amazing. Praise God. Amen. And yet you have all of these Christians who are more concerned about nuance and being winsome and being, I don't know what else to say, nuanced and winsome, that they're not willing to say it. They're not willing to rejoice. They're not willing to post about it. They're not willing to say it out loud because they don't know who they might offend. Take your cues from Jesus. Take your cues from Paul, whose ministry created a riot in Ephesus. It's okay for the dark world around us to riot when Christian victory happens. It's to be expected. And one of two things is going to happen. Either God is going to cause a sinner to come to faith and repentance, and they'll rejoice along with us, or the darkness is just going to continue to act like a cornered wild animal and lash out at everything around it. But that's what Christian victory looks like. It looks like riots in Ephesus. It looks like sham trials, right, in the middle of the night in Jerusalem when Jesus and, and the crowd is in an uproar yelling, crucify him, right? It looks like the Pharisees who tried to seize Jesus because he healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. That's what Christian victory looks like. When the kingdom of darkness is freaking out and losing its mind, 
that's what Christian victory looks like. Preach. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? No, no, no. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, there you go. That's the end of the episode. So you always had to so awkward. I know. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>